part two of a series called Woven that we started last week. We got a, a great start on it last week. It's studying the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. And if you missed that, you can pick it up on the podcast. It's a really good one, if I say so myself. It was, it was a good sermon. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to continue that today. And what we found out last week uh, through Woven is um, Ruth, in, in, in the face of uncertainty, she chose to love sacrificially. That was kind of our big idea for last week is in, in the face of uncertain times with uh, the, the, it was about it's about a family who left um, left the nation of Israel and traveled to the nation of Moab, which sounds like to us. I mean, like people we move from different countries all the time to different countries, but that was not something that was done back then. And uh, we talked about last week. Remember, we had the different teams last week. You guys were team red. And you guys were team yellow, and you guys were team blue. And that was like representing the different tribes in Israel. Um, there was 12 different tribes. We only had three in ours, but they had 12 in theirs. And you lived with that tribe. That tribe was your, that was your people. That was your tribe. Um, your family, your clan was all within that tribe. And we talked about this land system. Do you remember this? How we talked about the, the year of Jubilee, how if, you, if a family lost their land, the Jacksons lost their land last week, it was real sad. Uh, they made some dumb decisions. They chose, I gave them a choice between dumb and unlucky, and you chose dumb. And that's, you lost your land. But then in the, is, is the Israelite system, they could, actually, they could actually purchase it back at any time, or at the end of 50 years, at the year of Jubilee, that land would be given back to them or their descendants as a way to keep people from falling through the cracks. And we're going to see that system again in play today. It's an important thing to kind of um, understand a little bit about in order to understand the person of Ruth. Um, but we, we see that Ruth, while she's, she's uh, actually a Moabitess, so Naomi um, and her family leave uh, their tribe, move to Moab, marry some, some Moabite women, which was kind of a no-no back then. And then they ended up, um, everybody died, all the men died, the father and the two sons died. And then no Naomi, the mother, comes back with her now daughter-in-law, Ruth, into Israel. And the big question that was hanging over last week was, what will happen next? Will Naomi be accepted? Because Naomi's actually coming back to her tribe, and she has a right to some land within that tribe. But the real, the, like, they're kind of probably looking at her like she's a traitor. They're probably looking at her like, man, that, that's, that's someone who, who did bad things, and now bad things are happening to her. We talked about that last week as well. How like, there's this sentiment back then and kind of exists today that when bad things happen to people, it's because maybe they've done bad things, right? And we need to fight against that because that's not true. But it, back in this time, it was definitely like when, they, when Naomi w did the walk of shame back into town, there was all sorts of whispers. There was all sorts of talking. There's all sorts of people saying, uh, you know, like, what's going on with her? I wonder what happened. Or, or probably also people thought them to themselves, serves her right. That's what you get for leaving your tribe, for leaving your nation. It's a very sordid, very uh, interesting, you know, complex situation. And Ruth elects to walk home with her to in that. In the face of uncertainty, Ruth chose to love sacri sacrificially. And we read through her oath to Naomi and said, Isn't that, 
isn't that it was a it's a powerful oath if you uh, if you aren't familiar with the story or if you haven't read it in a long time go back and read chapter one on your own time this week because it's what Ruth says to Naomi is what any of us hopefully what all of us would hope someone would say to us in our time of need that that hey I'm with you and that was my application for you guys last week is this reach out to one person who might be struggling reach out to one person who's just in a bad spot and say those words that they're probably dying to hear from somebody in their life. Just say, hey, I know you're going through a rough time, but I am with you. I'm with you through this. Because our, our hearts and our souls soak up that kind of stuff. We talked about the idea of woven. Is it's, this is a series that we want to become more like Ruth in that we want to become people of character. We want to become people who are growing in character. And, and, and when we are people who are growing in character, what that does is it gives God a lot of material to work with. That when you and I choose to love sacrificially when things are uncertain, God looks at that and says, I can use that. When you and I choose to be kind when others are not kind to us, that's material that God can use and weave into something beautiful in life, a, a, a story like Ruth's. Because the thing is, is Ruth... Not Ruth facing uncertainty. She had no idea what would happen in the future by following Naomi. She had she couldn't say, well, if I do this, it's going to work out. I bet you I'll find a man. I bet you we'll fall in love. I bet you all that you know, Naomi will be redeemed. She couldn't have said any of that, and that's the same for us in our lives. That as we're living our lives and we're making tough decisions, we don't know what's going to happen. But all we can do is make the good decisions, is be people of character, growing in character, and giving God lots of material to work with and let Him let us see what he makes and what he weaves out of it. And we're watching what God weaves out of Ruth's story, and it's inspiring. We talked about last week how you look at a, a friendship, like what Ruth did with Naomi, and say, I want that. I, I want that type of connection. I want, I want people surrounding me who are with me who are saying, hey, I, I take an oath, no matter where you go, I will go with you. Don't we want that? And then today, in, in chapter 2 of this story, we're, we're going to find out that that, that theme continues. We're going to move into a romance story between Ruth and Boaz that says that, that at the end you're like, I want that. That's a cool story. What they have together is enviable. And here's the thing. <laughs> When it comes to any romance story, there's always a lot of layers. There's always layers to unpack. Like even within your own romance story, parents, have you ever told your kids how you guys met and some of the things that you did when you're dating? The kids are like, what? And it's like, well, that's what people did back then. They went steady or they, you know, they went to the drive-in and watched a movie. You know, like all it's like even just one generation apart. That your kids are the, 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 the two generations apart. We don't understand why they did it that way. That's how love stories go. There's lots of layers when it comes to love stories. But, and, and there's ton uh, guys, there's so many layers. There's still things after a week of studying this story, I don't understand in the story of Ruth and Boaz. But I want us to all roll with it because it's worth it. It's worth gleaning from it. And so in order to get us warmed up for this love story, I want to tell I'm going to start with a modern love story. And this is, this is going to be um, um, audience participation. 
Okay, go ahead and put the slide up for audience participation. Okay, there, I'm going to read a story, and then when when those when these words come up, I want you to say them. So like when this word ooh comes up, I want you to go ooh. Okay, and then uh, I'll read a little bit more of the story, and then the word what is going to come up, and I want you to do like, like what? That's crazy. Can you do that? What? Okay. And then, aww, every, every love story has an aww, okay? And then at the end, you're going to clap, so go ahead and clap. Okay, everybody ready? Okay, so here's love story number one for today. <laughs> Billy and Susie met on Match.com. On their first date, Billy took Susie to the Olive Garden. Ooh, now, now pause for a second. That ooh, if you're a student, that ooh's like, yeah, ooh, that's nice. If you're, if you're an adult, it's like, ooh, big deal. Olive Garden, really, seriously? <laughs> Billy was so smitten by Susie that it wasn't two weeks before Billy met with Susie's dad. What? That's crazy, right? A month in, Billy bought a ring, got down on one knee, popped the question, and Susie said yes. Aww. Not wanting to waste time, they grabbed a couple of close friends, drove to Las Vegas, ended up getting married by Elvis with rice in her hair and was still sore from the chicken dance. They boarded a plane for Cancun, and now they live happily ever after. Okay, just leave that slide up there, Trevor, because here's the deal. Here, you see, does anybody see what I'm doing right now? Well, I'm making fun, but, but I'm making a point here, okay? Layers. Okay, you understood every word of that story. Okay, even down to the chicken, like, like, but, but imagine, imagine, I went to Uganda a year ago, okay, and I was blown away how different the culture was. Like, the things that they did were not the things that we do, and the things I was trying to understand, like, I, like, I remember one day I was trying to explain to them what snow was like, because they live on the equator, Right. And they're like, and when I'd left, after, when I'd left, there was like a foot and a half, two feet of snow in January last year. And, and I was talking to one guy and he's like, he was indignant. He's like, that can't be. And this is all through a translator. But I could see the, the frustration on his face. He's like, how does the snow just not like pour into your house? You know, how do you keep it out of your house? How do you keep your house warm, idiot? That's not, can't be true. You know, like I was trying to explain this. Imagine trying to explain that that guy, the chicken dance, match.com. Uh, uh, Olive Garden, Elvis, who the heck is Elvis? And, and if, if he knows Elvis, isn't Elvis dead? You know what I mean? All those layers that come to romance. Now imagine trying to explain that to somebody in the ancient world. It'd be nigh impossible, right? But what we're about to read today is a story from the ancient world. And we're not from that. Part that we're not from that part of the world, we're not from that time frame, and there's going to be layers to understand. The, the story goes like this. Audience participation, you guys ready? Ruth and Boaz met during the barley harvest. Ruth was gleaning in the fields behind the harvesters when Boaz noticed, noticed her. At the end of the day, Boaz office, offered her some roasted grain. Ooh, whoa, whoa, slow down, Boaz. Really? Seriously? <laughs> Upon returning home, Ruth learned from her mother-in-law, Naomi, uh, her mother-in-law, Naomi, that Boaz was actually her guardian redeemer. What? Crazy, I know. Naomi had an idea. Ruth should approach Boaz when, he's winnow when he is winnowing the barley. 
So one night, while Boaz lay asleep, Ruth snuck in, uncovered his feet, and laid down. When Boaz woke up, Ruth said, will you be my guardian redeemer? Boaz said, yes. Aww. After making sure that a closer guardian redeemer wasn't interested, Boaz bought the property of Ruth's dead husband, married Ruth, redeeming Naomi, and now they live happily ever after. Got it? I mean, you, you understand that story? Like, it's just, you know, just two typical people falling in love. Just, you know, typical guardian redeemer situation, right? Just, you know, it makes perfect sense, right? All, see, it's, there's so many layers. We're going to uncover even more of them. But here's, here's what I want you to do. Even if you don't understand barley harvest and gleaning and, and you know, this suggestive nature of roasted grain and uncovering the feet and, and what the heck is a guardian redeemer? It's still worth sticking with the story because it's a romance story worth having, worth following. And honestly, it's one worth envying. So let's turn in your Bibles. You got a Bible around you. You're going to need it this morning because we're going to read a lot. And I'm not putting all of this on the, on the screen because there's just too much. Ruth chapter 2. And when you get to Ruth chapter 2, somebody shout out the page number. 264 in the Bibles, in the church Bibles there. And what we're going to do is we're, I'm going to read the majority of, of the, this chapter and the next, and then we'll just kind of stop and pause and, and go through, you know, what, what's what and everything. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech a man of standing whose name was Boaz, okay? So remember, here's, here, here right away we see in chapter 2 the, the mention of the clan, that tribal idea. you got tribes, clans, families. So Elimelech, who's Naomi's dead husband, is from, the clan, is from a certain clan, and there's another man from that clan whose name is Boaz, who's you know, like the, the, our suitor in this story. Now, the reason that that's important, and I didn't explain this last week, I explained how last week that if the Jacksons lost their land in their tribe, they'd have a chance, somebody else from that tribe would purchase their land, not, not somebody from this tribe. You couldn't do that, and definitely not a foreigner couldn't buy your land. If somebody from your own tribe would purchase that land. So Naomi and Elimelech had land. And the drought came to Israel, and they left, that, they left Moab, and they left behind that land. Meaning somebody else in the tribe, we don't know who, took it over and farmed it while they were gone. A probably close relative. So now that Naomi's back, again, the big question is what? Will she be accepted? And will she be allowed to come back into that system that would protect her? Because the whole idea of the system, as foreign as it sounds to us, that you know, you, the, the purchasing of land and you can't sell it to another tribe, all of that was to make sure, it was part of the Levitical law and Moses' law, to make sure that nobody fell through the cracks. That, that people who lost their land, that families and generations of families that lost their land had a path back to ownership. It's a good idea. It's a cool concept. It's, I wish we could mimic some of it for our own culture, Right? So this is, Naomi's coming back, and the land is part of the question, but you know what else is part of the question that we didn't talk about last week, is what's going to happen to her lineage? 
is her name, is Elimelech's name going to die out because they've been separated from their tribe? And the answer is not necessarily. What, what, what else would happen within your tribe is not only would somebody redeem the land, and that's where that idea of guardian redeemer comes in, is that somebody would come in and say, hey, I've purchased your land, but now you, you, know, like, like, um, you can buy it back from me. Well, Naomi has nothing. She's, she's destitute. So now she's looking for a guardian redeemer to, to partner with her to purchase back her land, but also to protect her lineage. And, th- and, this is, and she's too old to have a kid, so it wouldn't be through her. It'd be through Ruth. And again, guys, this is so foreign to us, but it was, lineage was a very important thing back in the ancient times. And this was a, actually a genius way to protect widows, to protect, widow, uh, protect women, to protect children and orphans, that, that if, not, if, if somebody fell on hard times, lost their husband, the next of kin, meaning a brother or a cousin, would, they would, the a woman could actually go, she would have the agency in this culture to go and, and ask the next person in line, will you redeem us? Which sounds super weird. But this idea of redemption is, is actually like a market term. It's, it's to buy something back. We're going to talk about that next week when we talk about God's redemption in this story. But like to redeem something means that something that's broken down or something that's fallen apart or something that, that's lost its place in life, that somebody comes alongside who's, who has the power, the authority, the money, or whatever, to, to buy it and to redeem it, to bring it back to its actual status. So Naomi left chapter 1 saying, call me Mara, call me bitter. My, my story is done. And then chapter 3, chapter 2, starts with this glimmer of hope. But Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing, which means like a man of honor, a man that had a, a probably wealth, a man who'd done well in life, whose name was Boaz. That's a, a flicker of light, a glimmer of hope for Naomi and Ruth's story. Because that's possibly, what the, the ancient reader that was familiar with all of this would have been like, oh, that, that could be a guardian redeemer, even though it's not even been mentioned in the story yet. Following? Okay, let's keep going. And Ruth, the Moabitess, verse uh, 2, and, and this is interesting, the Moabitess, that's, that's a term of baggage. Like, oh, you know the Moabite, the one that's not from us? Oh, you're the one that had all those hard times? Her, yeah, that one. Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor. Now, I have to stop and we have to unpack this because uh, that doesn't make any sense to us. Okay? In order to understand this, we need to understand the life cycle of barley in this culture. Okay? And I promise you, this is not a science lecture. Well, it kind of is. But, okay, it starts with planting the barley. and Because they said it was the barley harvest. This, this is what happens with barley. They plant the barley, barley grows. Now, there's probably 50,000 steps in between here and that. If you're a farmer, I'm sorry. I'm not neglecting all the things you do in life. Thank you for that. Plant, you grow, and then and once it's grown to maturity and dried out or whatever, then what happens is usually men would come and they cut with a scythe. Scythe? 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 Scythe. They would cut with a, a, a knife of some kind, uh, and uh, the barley, and then behind them, there would be women or younger servant w- girls that would come and bind the sheaves of barley, okay? Okay, so they'd cut, and then they'd sheave. Now, this is so cool. 
guys, I love this so much. In the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, actually a couple different times in the, the law, God spells out a way. Again, the Levitical law is an idea of, of following God and people to take care of each other so they don't fall through the cracks. Okay, so going back to the Jacksons, they've lost their land. They've, they made a, a bad decisions and they lost their land. What can they do to get food now? They can take odd jobs, they can work for people, they can become servants, they can even become slaves. But one of the ways that they can get food is they can go and glean, say glean. They can go and glean in the fields. And God specifically orders through, the, through Moses and through the, the, um, the law in the Old Testament. He's like, guys, when you go and harvest your grain, your, your, your barley, whatever it is, don't go crazy picking up all the stuff. Don't go, you know, if you're cutting and some of the heads of barley fall on the ground, don't be like, that one's mine, and put it in your pocket. He's like, leave that behind. And, 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 and he spells it out. He's like, the reason is the poor, the foreigner, he says, the widow, the orphan, those who need it can come into your field. They can trespass into your field. If they were there the day before, that's not cool. And picking grain, that's not cool. But the day after, the day of, most of the time, as you're harvesting, leave something behind to care for those who need it. Isn't that cool? It's just this natural way that God was like, I want you to take care of each other. Like these people, you know, who knows their story? Because there's, there's a story behind every, every destitute person. There's a story. And who knows? You, like you might judge them. You might think bad things happened to them. They must have done bad things, but maybe not. So throw them a bone and let them have something. So that they would cut. So then they would cut and they'd sheave it up. They would, they would um, did I spell sheave right? Doesn't matter. They would bind it up and, and, and then so they could transport it to a, a threshing floor. And we'll get to that in a second. That's the next chapter. So they sheave it and then, they, and then the gleaners come behind and they're able to get food. It's a beautiful thing. That's where Ruth, so, so go back and read this. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, verse 2, let me go to the field and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor in. Meaning, this, and this is a really bold move. Ruth is saying, and this is cool, because Ruth said it. Naomi's not like, hey, you need to go, because we need to eat. Ruth's like, no, I will go, because I've heard about this system of yours. I've heard about the tribes. I've heard about the kinsman redeemer. And I've heard, the, like, what about that gleaning thing? Can I go do that? And Naomi's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean, this is verse 3, in the fields behind the harvests. And then this phrase is so cool. As it turned out. Anytime you read that, especially in the Old Testament, anytime you read a phrase like that, it's like, and it just so happened. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it almost always means God is getting involved. You ever have one of those stories? We just show up somewhere, and then they're there, and you're like, no way! What are you doing here? And it was just like this, almost like a divine appointment. This is one of those. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz. And here's, here's the point I want us to make. This is so important. When it comes to our stories of darkness and destitution, when we're down in low points, 
and it feels like no matter, and, 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 and when we're down in low points and we're trying to be people of character, like we're striving to do the right thing, we have to recognize we're not alone. Because it can feel really lonely at those times. Don't, I mean, think of how lonely Ruth feels. At this moment, she's a Moabitess. She's branded as the Moabitess. There are no other ones. And she's walking around with this, this woman who's like maybe a notch above her, but still at the lowest in her culture society. She was a traitor that came home. And she's trying to do the right thing. She just did a bold thing. Hey, can I go do this? She's like, yeah, that'd be a good idea. And it might be dangerous. It, 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 she said, anyone who I find favor, like, if anyone will let me, can I try this? Yeah, I want you to do that. And as she's doing that, as it turned out, God was still at work in her story. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, again, here's that word like, oh, it just so happened, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. Hey, the Lord be with you guys. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman, so he's like kind of looking, this is his field, and this is, this is a big day. This is harvest, okay? So he's checking out like, all right, are we getting, you know, how's the harvest this year, foreman? Tell me about it. And as he's kind of looking around, he's counting sheaves maybe, and he's looking. He's like, wait, hold on, who's that? He said, Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, Whose young woman is that? Which is, this is the ancient equivalent to modern day creeping. Okay? This is him like checking out Ruth's, you know, profile on whatever, you know, to find out more about her. Right? Hey, who's, who, you know, who's she with? Meaning, who's she married to? You know, you come here much? Does your boyfriend come with you? You know, like it's, it's that equivalent of, oh, you don't have a boyfriend, you know? The foreman replied, she is the Moabitess, she's, she's branded, who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvester. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. She's, she's working hard, he said. So Boaz called Ruth over, said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Do not go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. I, I, you know, everything you need is right here, baby. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's immediately attracted to this woman. Again, these layers, guys, it, it's, it's so fun. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow after them and the girls. I have told the men not to touch you. And this, this, this actually speaks to the danger that may have been around then for a widow and for a foreigner. He's like, stay here. It's safe here. And the, all these men, these are safe men. They're in, my, they're in my care. They're in my charge. They won't touch you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from, from my water, from the, the, the jars the men have filled. At this, Ruth, she bowed down with her face to the ground, and she exclaimed, Why have you found such favor in your eyes that you notice me? I'm a foreigner. 
why have you done this? Why, why show me such favor? And, and, and here, I, wanna, I want us to note something here. We never learn in this book. The, the Old Testament will tell us when somebody's good looking a lot of times. You know, th- that David was ruddy and handsome. Um, um, Abraham's wife, was, uh, Sarah, was extremely attractive. We, we know these, these details. This is one of the most detailed romance stories in the Bible. We don't know if Ruth is actually good-looking. But we're going to find out here, right here, right now, why Boaz is, is, is why, why Ruth has found favor with Boaz, as well as why Boaz is attracted to Ruth. And it's really, really interesting. Actually, before we do that, roll, roll the Charlie Brown clip. To, to tee this up, we need some Charlie Brown. This is the end of the Peanuts movie. I highly recommend. My children highly recommend as well. Hey, that. hi, Charlie Brown. You remembered my name? Of course I did. 